0: Welcome to the CoinRivet podcast. I'm Jeff Gross. CoinRivet makes it easy to buy, sell, send, and store cryptocurrencies quickly in one place. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all future episodes. All right, welcome everyone. We got another special podcast today. We got the man, the myth, the legend, two-time NBA champ, three-time high school player of the year. He's won national championship at Kansas. He's done a lot. Mario, how are you?
1: I'm good, man. How you doing?
0: Doing very well. Thank you for taking the time and, you know, exciting time, crazy time. I know you just got called back after you've had a, a long, illustrious NBA career and then you've still been playing for the last few years. You just got called back to the Heat. And I know you're playing some some basketball right now, uh, bouncing around. Tell me a little bit about where you're at, at the moment and, and what's been what you've been up to lately.
1: Uh, right now, I'm playing with the Miami Heat G League team, the Sky Force uh, out here in Sioux Falls. Um, just keep playing, stay in shape
0: trying to get another call-up, so we'll see what happens. Uh, Hopefully it happens. Uh, I love it, man. Well, listen, I'm a big fan. I'm based in Miami. I know you won a couple championships here. It's got to be a city dear to your heart, but maybe give a little bit of background on your basketball upbringing. And you were in Alaska, right? Three-time high school uh, player of the year. What was that like living in Alaska? I've never never even been there. Tell me how that was growing up. Uh,
1: Definitely a little bit different. Um, You know, for us to really make it out of Alaska – you know, a lot of coaches don't come up there to, to watch us play and stuff. So, for me, it was a lot of traveling, a lot of going to different tournaments, um, traveling every weekend just to be seen by, you know, different schools, just to make a name for myself, make a name for the state. And, um, you know, other than that, you know, everybody thinks Alaska is cold and nothing but snow. But, you know, in the summertime, uh, summertime is very nice. You got 24-hour sunlight. So, you know, that's all we do is play basketball in the summertime and have fun. So, um, it was definitely different than other states probably
0: and how what were you was your family i mean based there what what was in alaska were your parents they were working there or what 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 was i mean i literally don't know anyone actually that that is from or born in alaska so it it does seem like a foreign country to me in some respects like what what was what were you guys uh what what's the ties to alaska uh,
1: my dad was in the military so we was in charlotte first and then my dad got stationed in um, anchorage alaska so that's how we got up
0: there he we was in the air force very cool, and I saw. I believe he was also assistant coach at Kansas, or at one point, was he when you were there? Was he assistant coach, or does he? Yeah, he's any on a the, basketball background, right? The he family. was on the coaching staff
1: at, uh, at Kansas, but you know, my dad played when he was in the military. He also coached the military teams. So I come from a big background, a big basketball background family, so um, it was destined for me to play basketball, I guess.
0: And and I, again I think if I'm not mistaken three time you were the player of the year in in Alaska I don't know if that's ever been done or maybe I think one other person what was it like being in Alaska where maybe basketball you know again I don't am not so familiar it's not as popular like you mentioned it's not there's not like coaching staff it's far to get to coming and looking a lot was it difficult to get recruited or did you kind of was everyone knocking at your door I know major universities were were looking at you but, but what was that process like and when did you decide to go to Kansas
1: uh, in the beginning, it was difficult to get different uh, teams to look at me, different schools to look at me. Um, but once, once I went to my first tournament, I, I think uh, eighth grade, I went to ABCD camp or ninth grade. I went to ABCD camp and I made a name for myself then. So after that, um, pretty much from my freshman year, all the way to the time I decided to go to Kansas, everything. I had any choice of any school I wanted to go to. So uh, besides Duke, <laughs> Duke was the only school that was a recruit for real. So um, besides that,
0: you know, I had any choice I wanted to. And all right, tell me, so you're in Alaska, You go to Kansas, very, one of the strongest pedigree schools, you know, it's, it's up there. They, they've won multiple national championships. You go there, you make an impact right away. I think I saw that you started, uh, once you got on the starting lineup as a freshman, I think you played 21 to 22 games starting other than senior night. You know, what was that like to come into a, such a, such a strong school, play at the highest level, and get in there and just make an impact right away. Was that a was that something when you got there? You're like, I should be starting right away, or you know, the team was so good and there were some people ahead had you, upper class. What was that process to break in the starting lineup?
1: Um, it was a tough process for me. Um, you know, for me coming in to Kansas, I was a number one player, uh, number one point guard in the nation, uh, number 12 player in the nation. So I thought, yeah, I should be starting. Yeah, I should have the ball and be able to do like I was doing in high school, but, you know, once you get to college, it's a different level. Uh, you're going against pretty much grown men at that time. And, you know, you got to go get schemes and different, 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 different dif- defensive principles that, you know, that you might not see in high school and might not understand. So um, it was definitely a learning process when I first got there. Um, you know, we had a young team. Uh, for freshmen and sophomores, we had three seniors, and that was it. And, um you know the seniors kind of led the way. Uh, they kind of helped us and shaped us into, um, you know, going the right direction. You, you know, Coach Shelf did a great job of letting us play. And, know, um, you know, we just we just melt, we, we gel really well, really
0: well together as a group. So that was the biggest thing. And and you you go yeah. ahead and and you hit this 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 unbelievable situation. You're in the what year? was it your your sophomore or junior year. You guys are in the national championship. You're playing Memphis. I think it was with. Uh, uh, Rose against Rose, and you guys are down three, two seconds left, and you hit a shot. I mean, that's something you must. I, I think you said you watched it a thousand times. Like, I mean, just how like how crazy of a moment was this? Was this a play call? Was it drawn up, or how did you get the ball? And how did this how did this play happen? Because this is one of the more historic shots and, and moments in college basketball history
1: uh that's a play that we've been running uh that's one of coach Shelf's little hidden tricks that he has in his bag so any late game situation we uh, we run that play we run it every every day in practice and you know we run it we ran it in the uh, big twelve championship the year before against Kevin Durant and him and, and you know I made the same shot so um that just goes the practice makes perfect you know we practice that shot so many times I practice that shot so many times we practice that play and uh when it comes to the moment where we needed it we just we was able to execute it and know exactly what we wanted to do.
0: And I got to I got to ask because I mean, listen, I played soccer growing up. I played in college. Uh, that's where the dream stopped. But what was the actual most fun time? Because the NBA, you know, you're traveling around. You got you got big LeBron and Dwayne Wade, and you guys are you're, you're winning championships. Obviously, that's got to be epic. But playing high school basketball, winning championships, being in college, big man on campus. It's a big sport. You know, you guys are winning national championships. What talk to me a bit about what's different and, and were any of those moments like? What's the most special out of all these these titles and accolades and, and whatnot? What are some of the most most special or just are they so different because they're all different stages? Um,
1: they're all different stages, but they're all special moments. You know, they're all moments that led to the next moment that led to the next moment. So um, it's hard to say which one is more special in those three moments. But, you know, everybody asks me, always asks me what championship means the most to me. Um, and I have different answers with that one, but I'm leaning towards more of the college one right now. Um, you know, just because it was on, on a level where, you know, it meant more to a school, a state, a city than, you know, anything else. And once you look back at it, you know, they haven't won a championship since 2008. It was the last championship team. So that memory is still there and still found. And, you know, a lot of people still live by that moment.
0: And and tell me about the transition into the NBA because, you know, now there's been some rule changes. You have to play like certain year in college, you have to, until when you can declare, And all these different different iterations of what's happening and the rules but you did forego your senior year is that correct you decided to after junior year you want you decided to go pro is that yeah um
1: you know my class was actually the last class where you go straight from high school so the the 2005 class um you know we had a couple players in there that's still in the nba now and um you know for me i try to leave every year (laughs) Uh, i try to leave my freshman year try to leave my sophomore year and then you know my junior year i really felt like i was ready and the moment was right. And uh, you know everybody felt the same. And, you know, I got the good blessings. And, you know, everybody was pushing me to go.
0: And, and how do you – Who who's sort of in your corner there? Who do you – you know, because it's got to be tough, right? You've you got multimillion-dollar deals on the line. There's, there's risk and reward. If you go another year, you probably move up the draft. You're, you just win the national championship. Um, there's a lot to consider. But ultimately, yeah, if you can get a big, a big check, you've done three years. You know, that's, that's you've spent time in college. You're, you're kind of growing up. You're learning. And and it just seems like the right time. But was there was it for sure leaving, or did you have some people, you know, at that point does Bill the self, the coach and these guys, are they trying to talk you into staying, or, or are people kinda like, Look, you're ready, it's your time, no question. Or, or was that a difficult decision
1: though? Um, it was definitely a, a back and forth decision. Um, you know, it was probably a lot of people want me to stay, a lot of people wanted me to go. Um, but it, it all came down to, you know, what I felt down down deep in my heart. And at that moment, I was chasing moments, you know what I'm saying? I'm chasing um chasing trying to get more championships and uh you know for me to to be able to win in high school win in college um it just in my mind what was I coming back for uh other than my degree I felt like I proved everything I needed to prove and I did what I wanted to do in college so now it's time for me to move on to the next level and try to accomplish the same dream
0: and before I dive into to the pros and, and I want to understand a little bit about I think Uh, the draft process and what that's like. But I just want to ask you about the NIL now, because this is something kind of crazy. You hear about the big schools and, um, you know, football, basketball, all these different boosters and crazy stuff going on. And now there's just NIL, right? Like just, all right, athletes can make money, local things. You can get endorsements, get deals. Do you think this is good, bad, or just sort of too early to tell how it's all going to shake out? Because it must have been frustrating, right? To be in college, know that you're going to go pro, know that you have value, that the school's making money, sure you're getting a college education, but being a high-profile athlete at a major university in Division One for one of the two major sports, I mean, it's got to be a little bit like of a tricky thing because a lot of guys don't go pro either, right? There's guys that are really talented or maybe they don't make the NBA, they go somewhere else or or, or football. So, I mean, what what are your thoughts on this and, and are you kind of like, man, I wish this was here when I was there or is it just sort of... Uh, you're happy that this is now now in place for, for athletes at this time. What what are your thoughts on that NIL?
1: Um, I'm 75 25. You know, I like it. I feel like it's a very good thing. Um, I think it's very beneficial for the kids nowadays, and it also gives them, you know, a desire to work to be good to to also, you know, be good enough to get an NIL deal. And the 25% of me doesn't like it just because. Um, I just feel like kids, kid or not kids these days, athletes, a lot of athletes, some athletes these days are content with just, you know, getting the NIL, getting to the little bit of money instead of, you know, making it the dream or making it to the NBA, making it what the real goal is and be able to play against the the best of the best and the highest of the high, you know, in that type of competition. level. So I look at it from that standpoint. But other than that, I think it's a great idea. Uh, definitely wish it was around when, you know, back in 2005 or 2000s 2000, when I was in high school going to college and stuff like that. But um, it's definitely a good thing. It's beneficial for the kids as long as they know that, you know, don't stop there, keep going. You know, you can do so much more. Um, you can be so much more talented and, you know, you can be better than what you think you can be. For sure.
0: And now tell me about getting drafted. So you declare for the NBA. You know, is it, it's got to be a pretty, pretty, pretty insane experience. You're coming from, Alaska, now you're in, you go to Kansas, you win a national championship, and now you're looking at the NBA teams. You know, it's, it's a big, big swing in your life, too. Where do you go, right? There's there's 32 or 30 teams, 32 teams, I guess. Like, you could be in, in a, a random city or you could be in one of the big cities. Did you, in your mind, team aside, location, were you like, I got I to go here, I want to go here? Because I know you got drafted by the Timberwolves. It's in Minnesota. It's cold. You end up in Miami, which is, you know, it's a great city. It's an action city. The weather's great. Uh, that's There's some variance in that, right? I mean, what was your thought process? Or are you just like, give me an NBA, I don't care, and I'm going to do my best, and, and we'll see where it all flies? What, what was your attitude going in the draft? Um, my
1: two thoughts was give me in the NBA and just put me in the right situation. Um, you know, the situation where I could shine and, and show my talent and show my game and show that, um, you know, because I played the two-guard in college. So there, my question, big question about me is I played the point guard, and, you know, I was able to prove that. In my first year coming to Miami and, and being able to, so that was that was my first, my two biggest thoughts that I I wanted to concentrate on. But you know, at the end of the day, my the biggest dream was just getting drafted and being in the NBA. You know, that was the first one.
0: And, and what would you, looking back so far in your career? I know you're still active, and you just had a um, a ten day contract with with the Heat. You dealt with some injuries. You know, you've had a pretty pretty amazing career. And looking at those championship years, the minutes you have played, the numbers you put up, you know, these are big numbers, big minutes, big contributor, starting. Uh, during the, I believe through the NBA, during those years you guys won a championship and really putting in, you know, you were playing with, the, what, uh, LeBron and uh, some of the biggest names of the stars of all time, a history of the game, and you're on there and you're right there and, and one of the main contributing factors. What was this like? How, how did things shift from when you were in Miami until, like, now the years you guys were now playing and you knew you were playing for, uh, for an NBA championship? What was sort of the – how big a shift was that and, and what was that – talking about that transition from – you know, the year before until when those guys came. And now, what, you, went, you got runner-up, you finished second, and then you won and won, right? Three years, you guys had some really, I mean, amazing, amazing seasons. What was that time like with the Heat? Um, it was a growing process. Um, a lot of fun, though. Um,
1: you know, being with those guys, seeing how they grind day in, day out, and seeing, you know, how they compete, and how they try to make each other better. Uh, you know, that was definitely something to witness. Um, and just the, the level of intensity that came around those guys. Um, you know being on the team with them. You know, we trying to get everybody's best shot. You know, every night. So there was no, no. I shouldn't say days off but no, no games where you can kind of cruise and, and
0: see what's going on. You got to be
1: uh, foot to the pedal every time you step on the floor. And that was the biggest thing being around those guys. You know.
0: And and tell me about tell me about um, being a father and and playing at the highest level because I have a two and a half year old. I know you have you have several children. What is that like? What, how has that been with balance and, and, and trying to be a, the, the best father you can be, but also working and, and competing at the highest level? Was that a, in some respects, is it, I mean, probably more difficult, some respects maybe makes you more even responsible and, and, and dedicated and hungry. T- tell me a little bit about being a father and you know being an NBA, playing at the highest level in the world, basketball.
1: Um, You know, it was definitely easier in the beginning, um, you know, when they're still young, before they start getting into their own activities. um, You know, all they want to do is watch you play and be around and go to the gym with you. So that was that was definitely, you know, the fun part about having kids and being around my kids. And then, um, you know, nowadays, they're so grown, they want to do their own thing. I have a, you know, my oldest son just turned 14. My daughter's 11. So, you know, I got an 8-year-old son and a 3-year-old son. So just those guys that keep me on my feet now, um, you know, they keep me active. You know, especially my fourteen year old and my eleven year old. They're both into basketball. Um, doing really good. My son's playing on his eighth grade, eight team, and my daughter's on her on her uh sixth grade team. So they're both very nice They both get a lot of a lot of a lot of slack for me about basketball. But, you know, uh, for me it's just them being able to see me grind and what I what I put into basketball, you know. I always tell them you're gonna put in whatever you put in is what you're gonna get out. You know, um, just from them being at a young age, seeing me in the grinding days, uh, like you said, being more active, being on the team, being in the gym every day, playing in those finals and things like that into where I am now and, you know, kind of being the vet guy, being the leader, being the mentor and trying to help the young guys. And it's kind of the same thing with them. You know, I'm still mentoring them, still teaching them about life and also teaching them
0: about basketball. So um, it just goes hand in hand right now. For sure. And, and looking back here at some of the numbers, what do you think out of your – Career because I, I was running through the numbers and just some really impressive numbers even from right out the gate. I mean, you you started and played every game. You're you're being in the your your first year. What what happened there with Minnesota? Was there a trade because you got drafted by the Timberwolves and then you ended up in Miami? So did you know that trade was happening, or did you get drafted? You're like I'm going to Minnesota, and then later on you you ended in Miami. Or did you know that when you got drafted though you were headed to Miami by Minnesota? Um, to be honest i didn't know anything
1: um i never worked out for minnesota or miami so when my name dick is selected, my agent had told me right before it happened so um i was still shocked by that um uh, even going to minnesota because they had just drafted uh i want to say kevin love and oj mayo i think or vice versa something like that and um i just didn't see me fitting in uh going to there and seeing what was really going on so um hear my name called getting up there shaking adam silver's hand and Walking to the back, and the time I'm walking to my first interview, uh, somebody shouts out, hey, Mario, you got traded to Miami. And I was like, I didn't think nothing of it. And then when I actually sat down for my interview, was like they gave me the Miami hat, took the Minnesota one, and like, yeah, you got traded. You know, for me, that that just kind of lit me up, because, you know, D-Way was always my favorite player growing up, um, especially in high school. So uh, just be able to go play on a team with one of my favorite players, and like you said, being in a city like Miami where you know it doesn't get cold. And, me being from Alaska, me going to Kansas, you know, I dealt with some Dakota and South Dakota. So going to Miami was definitely a, a smile brought a smile to my face.
0: And and so tell me how that process is. You now you're going to Miami and then what? you what where do you go from the draft? You like fly home, you get your stuff, you go see people, and then you go fly down to camp. Like what what's the what's the actual process from being drafted until you're you're in the camp and, and, and playing?
1: Um Dang, that's a long time ago. Um from draft night. Uh, the next morning we flew to Miami. uh, Did a press conference, and I don't know if I st- stayed and started working out, or I left to go get some of my stuff and came back. No, I think I stayed down there and worked out. And just had my stuff shipped to me, and then uh once we got a break, I left and went to get the rest of my stuff and and just stayed down there. I mean, for me, just being in Miami, that I didn't really want to go anywhere. That was, that was a new home for me. Weather was beautiful um in a new city just want to get acclimated as fast as I could.
0: And and which part of Miami were you in cuz there's different pockets which you know now it's it's grown. Miami's crazy right now. It's gotten how going to say yeah,
1: when I when I first got to Miami in 2008, downtown wasn't downtown like that. It was no design district. It was none of that. It was Brickell, right. Downtown, Overtown. <laughs> and then that was it. So, um when I first got there, I know that they had to stay in the mutant in Coconut Grove. And then um I had bought my first apartment on Biscayne in Thirty Six, called the Blue, and yeah, that's where I was. Nice,
0: very nice. And if you could, li- like, when you retire officially, because I know you're still, you're still crushing, you're still playing, you're still moving around, and and, and literally we're just on the heat on a ten day contract, and and you're playing. You, I think you said you have a game tomorrow. When it's all said and done, when you when you stop playing. Professionally, where do you see yourself sort of residing? And where, at all, you've seen a lot, right? You've gone all over the, the the different stops on through the. I'm sure you've been all over the world as well and traveled. Where, where do you want to be? Where do you like to to put your family in park?
1: Uh, I say on the outskirts of Miami, somewhere in like Southwest Ranches area, maybe Fort Lauderdale, Hollywood, Davie. So definitely in Florida. Definitely, I can't I can't get over the weather. I don't want to be cold ever again.
0: <laughs> nice, yeah, no, it's it's it, yeah, exactly if you. I grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I'm I'm the same. Yeah. I love it. It's nice during the the summer and certain seasons, but ultimately, I think Miami, Pound for Pound, it's just it's nice to have nice weather and not not have to worry uh, too much about it. I, I got to ask about what's going on here with Too Crazy and NFTs. I know we are involved. We work with Playmaker a bit. We do some stuff. Great guys, David Woodley, all those guys, and of course with with NFTs. This is the hot word right now, right? Ever it's like crypto NFTs. This is what's going on. I know this is a big deal because I also am a part and working with Too Crazy and I mean, Binance, man. That's 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 it. That's the that is the gem mint of crypto NFTs. And you are actually the launch of the Binance NFT uh, of, of Too Crazy. So they're the first one. You are the drop. I mean, h- how cool is this to you? And how much do you know even about uh, NFTs and, and, and crypto? Are, are you kind of in it? A lot in it? Is this you know? What does this mean for you?
1: Um it means a lot to me, you know, for me to uh be able to, to work with playmakers and, and work with Binance to come up with a, you know something crazy for the for the future and what's going on right now, uh is definitely special to me. And I'm still learning about NFTs. Um I've probably been I've been in it probably about six, seven months so far. Um it's going pretty well. Um just learning a different process, learning the whole the whole situation and um you know how it came about it was just just thinking of different things um you know i've had a lot of special moments in my career uh i've had, I got a lot of things i always talk about the special moments so it was just kind of like why not make it a way for you know everybody to connect to each other and, and have something fun and something to do and um you know we came up with this idea and um you know it's finally here it's been a while and I'm glad it's finally coming to fortune
0: yeah i love it man It's i, I was very happy to see you get involved and i know you know, David and Playmaker speaks very highly of you. And I've been working with two crazy as well. And I, I just think it's uh, it's a great fit. It's cool. And I mean, having that that iconic moment, like you said, you watched it thousands of times. And I know there's so many uh, fans, right? There's so many diehard Jayhawk fans. There's people who have seen you do win championships at the Heat. And you know, I think the thing that's cool about NFTs is you can sort of, people that uh, have a following that there's ways people can support. And there's also ways to make memories, right? These are moments of high school now. There's people, you know, you got kids playing basketball too, like cool shots, cool moments that the future is really cool. Like there's just a lot of stuff where people, the video, you have pictures and you can sort of, you get to, get to have the memory, get to find ways to program this asset, an NFT, and, and use it in a way I know I think, I mean, don't correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe with Too Crazy and Binance NFT, there is going to be some ways that you get engaged, whether it's like a meet and greet with you or some special edition stuff that comes of it. And I think that there's uh, there's just endless potential. So it's cool to see you get involved. And you know, again, I've uh, I've heard uh, nothing but great things, man. I'm I'm really really happy you have come on. I I, I did want to ask a few more questions, but I know you I know you got a tight schedule as well. And uh, are you are you actually going to be? Um, is your plan, so you're playing right now, and what is your what is your goal and aspiration at this moment to where you're at in your career? You've won championships, you've done all this stuff. Is it, what do you want still? What are you looking for? What are you still playing for to do exactly? What What, what do you want to do?
1: Um, just to love the game, honestly. Um, <clears throat> for me, I ask myself every day, am I ready to walk, walk away from this game? And, you know, I look in the mirror and I can honestly tell myself no. And, um, you know, that's what's really keeping me going right now. Um, you know, like you said, I've been through every basketball situation, every, every everything when it comes to basketball, Won championship, lost championships. So for me right now, I'm just, I'm just enjoying the game, you know, enjoy seeing it develop, seeing it go further than, you know, than what it was when I first started playing, even to when I was winning championships. So the game is definitely evolving and, you know, just being able to teach the younger guys. Um, you know, one thing I've always wanted to do would be player development and, um, you know, this is the way for me to still play and still help, you know, develop different players and, you know, give people my insight when it comes to basketball and just share my experience.
0: Do you, do you see yourself getting into broadcasting, coaching? Is this something basketball is so ingrained in your DNA that this is something that will always be a part of you? Or do you want to kind of move into other ventures and areas when you're done uh, or, or will it always be part of you? Uh, it will always be part of me. Um, I definitely want to do other things,
1: but I'm, basketball has been my life, so always will be my life is, is what I know. You know, I've, I've bled for this game, I've cried for this game, I've smiled for this game, I've loved this game. So it's just it's just something that um, you know, I never see myself not being a part of basketball. T-
0: tell me the biggest difference between losing that championship to the to the Dallas Mavericks. You guys lose, I think, in six games. You know, they they hadn't won a championship before, a tough team, but you guys are you guys are stacked, you're crushing. Tell me like what was that like when you guys actually lost? Like, tell me. How that like what it was like in the locker room? What was the feelings and and for you personally? What do you uh, you know what 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 do you remember from that? Um, it was definitely different different emotions.
1: You um, yeah some players I was crying, some players I was upset. But uh, for me, um, speaking about me, I I was ready. I was like, okay, what's next? Um, you know, I, I I felt we knew we lost that series. We knew why we lost that series. So to me, it was just like, okay, let's. Let's get to the gym. Let's let's go ahead and get going. Let's let's get back and let's let's figure out what we did wrong, correct it now. And that was my main focus. Um, you know, going from that next season, from that loss and into the next season was just trying to be a better, just try to be a better version of myself.
0: And looking at your career here, and looking at some of these numbers, what do you think is the most sort of like when you when you when you look back at this prime kind of time where you were playing? You know, I mean, in the playoffs. Look at that games played, games started, every game putting in ridiculous minutes, um, everything was sort of, was clicking, you know, putting up double-digit points. What to you is, are you most proud of or, or kind of impressed with when you look back at this, like, wow, this is crazy. This was a crazy run or crazy time in my career. Is there anything here that jumps out of you? that Maybe someone, a casual fan, may, whether it's assists or, you know, rebound. I know you you're known for steals in college, too. I think you set records at Kansas, 97 steals, set the record twice back-to-back back years. So you know, what part of your game do you think maybe is, like, if you, you know, I had to give yourself a pat on the back. What, what stands out for you?
1: Um, I would say just being there and being able to hold my own. Um, you know, you have guys like LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Blash, who are you know all future Hall of Famers, all all stars, or all all time NBA greats. You know, you don't necessarily get to show everything you can do night in, night out. So, um, for me, it was just holding my own, you know, being there being able to be reliable to those guys and, you know, for me to still have relationships with, you know, those guys and them for just still tell me that, um, you know, I meant a lot to that team, you know, I really helped that team. So um, just being able to hold my own is, I will, is what I would say.
0: And and what is, what is something that you've noticed in NBA players, you know, yourself, that, that other players that are doing, maybe you're doing that other people, is it the work behind the scenes that they're not willing to do, practicing free throws, staying late, now, what are, what are some characteristics and attributes of NBA players that you think separates? Because there are guys very talented in the G League or that don't get drafted. They just get cut, right? They don't make it into the NBA. What is something you think that that is like intangible uh, or intangible that, that sort of just people have to be in the NBA? Because it's, it's, it's tough, right? I mean, it's a very low percentage of players make it. Give me, give me maybe something that someone wouldn't think about that, that, that you've noticed over the years and watching people be successful in the NBA.
1: Um, my biggest thing I would say is just find a knack find find something you do well and perfect it you know that was, that was the biggest thing I know for me um, I had aspirations to be one of the best players to ever play in the NBA but you know considering my teammates and going through the different situations you know I knew my role was to play defense and uh, you know knock down the corner threes knock down the threes and run the team so um, I just try to be the best version of myself at those three things and you know try to try to trying to find my knack and, and perfect it. That's the biggest thing.
0: And is there is there one g- give me your a teammate, like a, a teammate that you've just, you know, obviously you've played with some of the biggest names in all in the history of basketball, but you know, someone that you've been with, maybe it was just for more years than others, or someone that you've just like kind of came in with in the league. Is there anyone that is sort of like your your you know, your closest uh friend within the NBA? Is there anyone you still keep in really good touch with? I still keep in contact with a couple of
1: people, but my two closest ones, three closest ones, I would say that, you know, I talk to on a regular basis almost every day, night of every week would be uh, Michael Beasley, Brandon Rush, and, you know, D-Wake. Those are the three guys that, you know, me and B-Rush, I've known him since I was 14. Um, oh, wow. Me and, me and Bees. I've known Bees since I was 13 even though we didn't like each other when we first met but you know right now that's that's one of my closest friends and always will be and um you know of course the way um that's still my big brother you know we still have daily conversation or well, not daily conversations still we have weekly conversations just about life and you know different things
0: going on so
1: um it's just things like that that keep it that's you know my friend
0: and give me one story here before we go what what give me a story like that. Just like a crazy, crazy something that happened, whether it was a fan interaction or something bizarre, like over the course of uh, the NBA, anything that was, that just kind of stands out as like a wild memory or moment, or maybe it was a game. I know you, you hit like a buzzer beater in the finals and that was pretty cool, right? In the, in the first quarter, I think a half court shot, I mean, it was first quarter, like, give me some stuff that stands out to you that was just like, you'll never forget over your time in the NBA. You have anything that stands out? Um, Game winners. You know? my
1: 19 points in uh you know versus San Antonio game 2 I think it was and then um uh, uh definitely game 4 versus OKC in the finals but uh one of my funnier moments that a lot of people don't know would be uh game 7 versus Boston in Eastern Conference Finals um,
0: you know everybody
1: knows me knows that I'm I'm never I'm never nervous before a game, or I'm always up for the occasion. I never back down for a moment. But for some reason, that game, that was probably the nervous i ever been. And I came out, had probably like three turnovers in the first two minutes, missed shots, missed layups. And I remember Bron and D-Wade walking to the timeout. Bron and D-Wade both looked at me and it was like, he's like, yo, what's wrong with you? And all I could say was like, yo, I'm nervous. And I just remember Bron going, how are you nervous? You've been in the NCAA championships. You've been in the finals for like. What are you nervous for? And I just snapped out of it. Like, oh yeah, you're right. And that was just a moment where, after that, you can kind of see me clicking and getting back to being me. But at that first, that first couple moments of that game, it was just. I was just nervous. I don't know why. No reason why. It was just one of those moments.
0: What's it? What's it like playing with, with, uh, with LeBron and Dwayne Wade? Because I mean, these guys are two of the top players in the history of the game. They're they are on your team. They demand, they expect so much. You know, are they, is that part of what makes them great? They, they enhance everyone around them. They build you up and they, they find, because I, I would think that some guys, it is a lot of pressure too, right? Because you don't want to, you know, you there's all these memes now. He's on the Lakers, got these guys that are, you know, like older, but all stars on the team. And like, the like just all these funny, jo- like he takes it so it's seriously. I'm sure everyone takes it seriously, right? But like, is it, was there extra pressure? Or do they just kind of make it like, whatever Do they just make it that easy to play with them um for me it, it made
1: it easy for me just because they knew they knew my mentality they knew they knew what I brought to the table they knew I didn't back down from anything so um the way we always say this is a gift and curse of mine <laughs> but um that's just who I was like just being with those guys that gave me that extra confidence that I already have even though even though my confidence is already high. So just being around them, being able to work with them, and actually winning and being championships, and then being able to count on me, um, them being expecting me to be around them, expecting me to be up there with them—it it was just different things like that that made it made my game easier to gel with theirs.
0: Is there anything looking back now, all, all over the course of your career, like if, you know, you see how well people take care of themselves? Like with the, the there's so much attention with diet, nutrition. Sleep, all these things and technology is getting better and better. Is there anything like now that, you know, you said if I had come to the NBA, I wish I had done this differently or or I didn't even know about it. Uh, is there anything that you would say that you would have liked to have done differently just in your overall uh, routine or, or um, you know, uh, does that make sense? Is there something that you're like, wow, like I didn't I wasn't eating as well as I should have or I didn't do this as well as I should have. Do, is there any of that or, or do you not really have any regrets on how you, you've done your um I really don't
1: have any regrets. Um things I'd have did different knowing what's going on now. Um I'd have definitely I'd have definitely ate better to be more lighter. You know what I'm saying? Like back then it was, it was more of a physical game, so you you add that extra muscle, just be able to take the bumps and bruises and the long grinds of you know, going eighty two games plus the playoffs all the way from October to June. So um just knowing that now, um, I wish I would have stayed you know, in the frame I am now. Um, but I, other than that, you
0: know. All right. And I, gotta, uh, I got last question. I got to ask you because this is, again, poker-centric. I, I play poker professionally. I know – talked to you a bit before. I know it's not something you play regularly. And without giving any names, I, it is known – or from what I understand, there's a lot of kind of gambling of sorts, like fun. You're on the plane going around card games. could be Tonk or any kind of game, right? doesn't matter. Some kind of, like, Guts. Do you know of – is there any story that was kind of crazy? You didn't have to be a part of it. Maybe you saw or you even heard of, like, some big numbers. Something got out of hand. No names. Just, like, you know any crazy stories? Like, or someone lost their car? Or, like, I'm sure there's been some wild stuff. I don't know if you can share it. I don't want names. I'm not trying to get – I'm not going to say no names. But
1: yeah. I know some crazy stories. You said
0: Guts. Guts is a crazy card
1: game. That's just, like, poker.
0: Um, And
1: then – most of the time players play a game called Blu-ray. Um, it's kinda like Spades. Um so I've seen I've seen the gut the pot in guts go up to two hundred and fifty thousand and I've seen I've seen somebody lose a pot in Blu-ray to one point five million
0: big pot listen big that's, pot. Uh, that'll get the blood flowing uh, yeah. for sure you got to be able to handle it yourself not too many people no matter how much you're making or doing no one's happy to lose that pot and, and uh it's yeah that's intense i i've i've seen i've seen some crazy stuff i actually i played at michael jordan's house like all cash game wait like because you know poker in general you have chips right yeah. it's like you buy any good chips it was all cash that was it if you don't have cash no credit, no nothing. Just like dollar. Or okay, I tell you right now. For yep. Gambling. So uh, I've seen and heard a lot of stuff too, man. But that that's a big one. That's definitely on the bigger side. Of yeah, us. I wasn't.
1: I wasn't at the one point five. I only heard about
0: that. Okay. You. Yeah, yeah. That's that's serious. That's serious. Serious game. Yeah, I think I, I think
1: I'd have left So soon as it got to over five hundred thousand. I think I'd have
0: I, left. I remember growing up as a kid playing the guts. You know, like where you hold and then you got to release and the same like uh, in between. You know, you got yeah. the cards and you gamble. If it hits the post, you pay double. And I. I've seen it. there were pots got too big. We had to stop and like redistribute. It was it was just it was too much. You know, yeah, it, it gets
1: Hey, <laughs> that's the name of the game. Guts. You gotta have it, guts to play that
0: game. It can get emotional. But listen, Mario, I know you I know you're super busy, man. I know uh, I appreciate so much. I'm glad that we are in collaboration with Playmaker with Too Crazy. I gotta say, congrats on the, the Binance NFT. That's a big deal. That's gonna drop, I believe, on the fourth coming up here. So this will be be going out and I'm definitely going to be grabbing a few of the, the different versions of that. And it, it'll be a lot of fun. I hope to meet you in person. I wish you luck in your game tomorrow and your future, man, all the best, A really, really impressive career and more impressive. All the people that I know that know you, they all speak very highly of you and, and say how humble you are and a great guy and hard work and, and great work ethic. So uh, thank you so much for taking the time and look forward to uh, collaborating and seeing you in the future. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. All right, Mario. All right. All right, guys, we have more podcasts. I got Andrew Bogan next week. We've got uh, we got a couple of our special guests. We got we got Juju Schuster coming up and a bunch more. So stay tuned. We'll see you soon. Appreciate you guys watching. Make sure you get a copy, a piece, get in there on the Too Crazy NFT that is going to be on Binance on Friday. It's releasing, it's dropping some other big names involved in that as well. So stay tuned. We'll see you soon. This is the Flow Show number 164. Mario
1: Chalmers, it is in the books. We'll see you soon.